I am unashamed. What about you? All right, so we're back at it on unashamed. So, um, Zach, did you preach this last Sunday? I did. Yeah, we're going through uh, a vision series. By the way, uh, folks have asked if you know any of our, my stuff's online. So we just started putting our uh, lessons online. Um, so you guys can check that out. Swananoa Christian. No, what is it? SwananoaCC.com. But yeah, it was funny because <laughs> we got done. Jill was like, oh, I said, man, that was way too long. So I don't know if that's ever happened. <laughs> Have you ever gone a little bit too long in your in your sermon? Is that just me? Well, how long did you go? I think it was uh, probably f- over 50-something minutes. I, I, under, under an hour, over 50. <laughs> and, and I wasn't even aware of it. I was like, well, you know, typically I'm very aware of when I'm, teaching or preaching i know what the time is i can read the audience and i, I don't i just got into it and um and i got to thinking uh, i was thinking of what's the culprit i think the culprit is the podcast is is about 50 what, what is our what's our time on the podcast now what well we with it it's like 48 minutes but then with overtime it's over an hour so yeah, it's 15 i, I think i'm like i've been formed <laughs> through this it's hard for me to communicate now in 30 minutes because Jace has trained me to chase these rabbits. And I, is, so this, I, I blame is this it. my fault? This ra- yeah, I mean, uh, well, I do events <laughs> or, I, you know, I've suspended my events this year because I'm filming and we're doing the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, but so they usually give me an hour to do a speech. But now that's a different situation because you're, that there's yeah. you know you you're going everybody's they eat or whatever they do and you get up and you give a presentation and half of my presentation is funnies and I do duck call the duck call seminar so it doesn't seem like an hour speech even though it is it's but if I speak at a church building on Sunday morning I just realize that most churches are catered to about thirty minutes so it doesn't do. matter do thirty minutes. I I mean I attempt I have gone over before, and I I tend to blame the spirit of God. Say well, you know, <laughs> but fifty minutes. I think Missy would raise her hand. It, it, when we get to forty five, she would raise her hand, and I would probably call on her, and she would say, "Stop talking," because yeah. the spirit is telling you to shut it down. And I'm like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "The spirit inside of me." Is telling you, shut it down. Uh, <laughs> I have a, yeah. I have a bodyguard who walks up, uh, and he puts a piece of paper in front of me, and it says five five m i n minutes five minutes. <laughs> I, I see that. that. Is, the, is that the wrap it up? That wraps it up. I look down there and look at that, and I'm like, and I, I quickly wind, wind it up. And the bodyguard is armed, so yeah, you know he's got that going for him. Well, yeah. I'll say this about our church, though: I'm grateful that we have a, a, a body because we talk a whole lot about. We talked about this a few weeks ago in the podcast. Like, we're not lifting up a pastor or an elder. So when I got done, I mean, I, people made fun of me about it, but but what the funniest part was, Max, my 17 year old, was on the worship team that day, and and I was unaware that there was like. You know, they were discussing, when's he going to wrap this up? So Max just gets up there 
and starts playing like the the music behind me. You know, like, oh, like well, that was the message you know, like, right there. There you was that, his, that was your your, but you just kept going. I mean, I, that didn't even. I, I kept. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, I, that's what bothered me about it. It was. I thought. I think it was a great sermon, but. I'm like the fact that I wasn't aware. I I don't know that just it it shook me up. And yeah, I was well, like, it should have. I think that's good. I mean, because I think people have to hold you accountable. We tend to be long winded. I have so I set accountability measures in. But now, for, you Zach, are you a rotating uh, guy at your church? Yeah, so we got people uh, get up. There's about four of us that rotate through. We got yeah. one guy that's that's paid pastor, and he preaches. He's honestly our best preacher. I mean, so if you go if you go to the website and to listen to me, you actually should listen to he's at because I noticed that what happens is just by way of people doing this week in and week out. If if you're like a rotator, like we have, you know, Larry Bowles who's on the podcast uh, yeah. a few times. So Larry is intermittent at WFR. So what happens is when he preaches, and Larry, you know, I mean, he he puts a lot into his material. I mean, he's a thinker, and so. A lot of times he'll go long because he just has so much material. He just is he over prepares really for his time slot. And so he, sometimes he'll go like that. He'll go super long and we'll That's laugh about it. Yeah, we'll yeah. laugh about it afterwards. But it's because you're not up all the time. Like, you feel like you feel like you got to get it all in. Like, that's right, because I got, I got, got it. It's very right difficult to hold someone's attention for over about 30 minutes. I mean, it's, it's tough. Just, it, no, it is. And I mean, I'm telling you this, you'll know whether it was too long because what they, they kind of, I've noticed these uh, church leadership teams, they uh, they kind of function like a baseball pitching staff. And because uh, you have some that are good for the long term and some, you know, it's just a closer type role. So if you get demoted <laughs> in your role, that was a sign that that was way too long. Because they'll give you some lingo because they don't want to just crush you. They'll say, we think you, you're you better served as a closer. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll be the closer. I'll come yeah. in there and throw some fireball. Yep, you got one inning. 15 you know minutes. You really would be good at? Yeah, you yeah. would be really good at doing the communion uh, portion. Exactly. That would that's be, it. I think that's a closer role. In baseball, terms, yeah. in baseball terms, that's a specialty guy. So we got a left-handed batter, and we need a guy to come in and just get him out. We need a left-handed specialty guy. All we need you to do is get th- one out. And so that means you come in, you get that communion message, three minutes tops, and then we're done. But there are church, but there are churches though, and I think it's it's what are you expecting? Because there are churches. A lot of the sermons I listen to online are forty five minutes plus, you know. But it's, I think you're primed for that. You know what you you know what you're, yeah. you're getting going into it, and uh, yeah. So we're typically our 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 sermons are typically between thirty and forty minutes. Well, yeah, I I'm too, speaking I had, to people who are visiting. The majority of them, they're visiting yeah. there. Some are visiting there because they, in fact, just want to obey the gospel. So they come yeah. there. So I'm speaking them primarily to people I've never seen before every Sunday. I've never seen them before. I've never heard so of them. So how long will you go? How, how long How long will, will you? Will you take 30 time? minutes. I, I, I'm oblivious to the time. Sometimes I go 15, 20 He's minutes. waiting only five minutes from the— 15 or 20 minutes, and they can you talk the about coming. You get five M-I-N. Yeah, sometimes 30, but, but to go, I, I, you know, sometimes maybe 40, but most of the time I just cover the material, but it's the same material. Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead. 
by the way, uh, just to tell the audience, so it's called the Unashamed Bible Study, and we do it every Sunday at 9 a.m. at WFR. So if you're ever in our area, you're always welcome to come check it out. If well, somebody raises two- their hand and say, I've heard enough, I, I close the Bible and say, okay, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> if they ever do that. Well, I didn't realize anybody could stop you. <laughs> well, I think if people are getting up leaving, you know, and all, it's probably time to shut it down, you know. But, I mean, it's biblical. Wasn't it Peter or Paul? Who was preaching where the guy fell asleep? And uh, yeah. that, was Paul. that was Paul. That was yeah, Paul. And the guy, you know, he went to sleep and fell out. And, yeah. But he raised it from the dead. But I don't have the power to do that, so we ought to just shut it down. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that long-winded. That's a good point. I should have just told all my... All the all the dissenters that you know, at the church, I should I should have just said, look, it could be worse. I didn't kill anybody, you know. Well, and then I've heard preachers, I've heard preachers use that story and brag about it that that he just kept on preaching, you know, after he raised him from the dead. And I thought, yeah, but you can't raise him from the dead. Well, you, my you response to, to that up. would be, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I've heard of, but who are you? Who are you? That's exactly yeah. right. Sons Shut it down. <laughs> so, so to, for, hey, to quote Carl Allison, if you hadn't said what you got to say in 30 minutes, go home and write a book. <laughs> <laughs> or he said, from an old man's perspective, he said, if you hadn't struck all in 30 minutes, quit boring. There may be some truth to that. <laughs> and then Bill Smith used to say, Bill Smith used to tell us, the mind can only endure what the posterior can endure. Mm. That'll and preach right there. And there's a lot of truth to that well, as well. well. Well, let me tell you what my dad told me when I got done. He said, man, those, that was the best three sermons you've ever preached. That was <laughs> that was his line. My own father. He said, that was the best three sermons you've ever preached. I said, well. Yeah, you just had a lot going on there, Zach. That's what happened. You got all swept up. You had more than one sermon. Yeah. yeah it was that happens. It so, happens. Yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I did. I did preach. Well, good. I'm glad that you did. And and we all enjoy it. And, you know, and it, we do encourage you guys to check it out, whether it's Zach's at Swan OCC or ours at WFR Church. That's just some land yap when we get to do these sermons. We're actually preaching uh, through First Peter right now at WFR uh, as well as what we're doing here on the podcast. So that's a little more if you want to see Mike or myself or LB. We'll try to get work Jason there every once in a while uh, as well. We get him off the road. Uh, we're in First Peter. Speaking of which, um, we um, we kind of last podcast kind of went back through the setup text. And Jace, you were you were giving us a little bit of a, a sermon you heard. Speaking of sermons, and we barely got into it. So I'm hoping you'll you'll give us the rest of that sermon. Maybe go back and and set it back up again. It was, was it one of Keller's sermons? Yeah, it was. Or? It was called The Freedom of Submission, and it addresses with this, really specifically the verse in First Peter 2 where it says, uh, where is that? First uh, Peter 2, live as free men. Yeah, verse 16. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. So it it just seems to be a paradox of are we free? I mean, the 13th says submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king or the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him 
to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. So then he goes on to say, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. And then he says, you know, there's another verse that's real hard to get, you know, your head around. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong or sin and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. And then he goes into this beautiful example of Christ suffering for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So the one good thing about being in your own bed is being on your own sheets, especially during the wintertime, nice and cozy. Uh, The buttery bowl and branch, we call them, 100% organic cotton, uh, which is uh, why that uh, I've been sleeping on bowl and brand sheets for a very long time, long before they were sponsors of this podcast. Very luxurious, 10,000 rave reviews, which is why we all sleep on them. Uh, they have uh, the deepest set mattresses, so they won't come off the bed, which is great. They also have a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping on all U.S. orders. They're made without toxins. They're free from pesticides, formaldehyde, any harsh chemicals. They're made from the best organic cotton. So we want you to check them out. All Bowl and Branch sheets are 15% off your first set when you use the ro- promo code Robertson at bowlandbranch.com. So that's 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code Robertson at Bowl and Branch. That's B O L L A N D Branch, bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. So, uh, you know, just to kind of recap the the sermon with, you know, that I heard with this freedom of submission is, you know, there's an idea out there that in the world that you can live a free life outside of God and have no restrictions. But when, you know, we address that, we basically, the sermon that I heard and we all agreed on that there's two assumptions the Bible makes, you know, premise one is that this, this freedom doesn't exist. You're a slave to something. There's something that's leading you around by the nose. And, and a lot of times that uh, that idea that you're going to be free from all restrictions and rules and restraints, and it is just a cover for being selfish is basically what it is. And uh, premise two is any commitment brings restrictions. And so we kind of delved into those. And, and we also used the example of, uh, you know, First Corinthians 9 when, Paul said that even though he's free, he becomes a slave to everyone so that he may win some. So, 
basically uh, what Keller said just when you say, what is this kind of freedom talking about? It's finding the liberating restrictions, you know, in Christ. And so in, in your relationships that, that trickle down to that. And we, the illustration that I think we kind of honed in on was like a fish in water. He was designed to be there, you know, and he quoted a book that, you know, was about a fish trying to free himself and get to land. But once he got there, he found himself gasping and looking for air and dying because he was out of the element God created him to do. And I think it was a really profound illustration because, you know, God created us for him. If you're a believer, full service to God, just like you wouldn't buy a vehicle that says diesel only and say, well, you know, I'm just going to be free. I want to be free. I'm going to put gas in mine because it's cheaper. Well, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to go far. It's going to blow up. So that that's the, the concept. Uh, it's finding these liberating restrictions. And, and in the beauty of that, when you look at the example of Jesus, who by our terms was free above all, he restricted himself by becoming human. And why did he do that? It was based on love. So I want to introduce, that was kind of the overview, but I want to introduce, he used three things that found in First Peter that God's grace through Jesus frees us from. And the first one was intense desires. And you find that in, no, there was one reference in us. I noticed it in First Peter 2. I'm not, I didn't have that written down. Uh, where is that? Oh, in verse 11. Verse 11. Yeah. yeah, I urge you as, as alien strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Well, notice what he says in 1 Peter 4. And, and really this idea is coming from, and y'all have heard this from multiple people. When people who are, you're sharing Christ with them and they're like, look, I have this problem and I just can't help it. I can't control myself. You know, or people say, I have a bad temper. There's nothing I can do about it. Or, well, God's grace and the new birth and the power of the Holy Spirit frees us from these over desires, the intense desires that you don't think that, you, that you're a slave to, really. So look at 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. I love this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is freed from sin, or as some translate, is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And he kind of goes through this process of the old self and the new self here, and we'll get into that in more detail when you get there. That's critical, critical right there. Yeah, so that's the first one. The second one, then we'll comment about, see what y'all think. The second one's he frees us from uh, controlling anxiety. And you just think about how we're led around, uh, you know, with anxiety that is to a point to where we can't function, paralyzing anxiety, I guess. And he addresses that in uh, chapter 5 and verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So when you think about that, you have evil desires control us, enslave us. You have all these anxieties 
uh, I made the illustration, I think in overtime from Jeremiah 2 about uh, any any focus in your life that you give your energy, your time, your passion, it's whatever's enslaving you, even if it's good, I mean, it may be your spouse, ultimately will be a broken cistern. God is the only true eternal uh, peace that you will find because one, he's eternal, and two, he's all just. Right. While you're there, grace. I wrote down somewhere before, uh, love the brotherhood, well, that's going to be my third point. Yep. So, so let me say that. All the right. third thing is we're free to serve people. And this is an understanding of love because when he said love the brotherhood, well, you have a commitment to what? Love God and love people. So Plus, through that, you understand the restrictions that come along with this newfound freedom. So that's basically but, it. So go ahead. So he backs off a little if you look carefully, and we see it. In our current situation, 2,000 years from the time this was written, uh, one, show proper respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers. You say, that can be achieved. Fear God, that can be achieved. The one I would think I struggle with, along with everybody else, is honor the king. Now, right up above that, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king, to the supreme authority, governors. So these man-made governmental constructs, I have somewhat of a problem with uh, honoring them because of their behavior and what and, and the anti-God uh structures of a lot of things, the education system and this and that and other, and all this current thing about men changing into women, presto, you know. It, well, I think ultimately- I, I have a hard time yeah. honoring that kind of behavior. But I think most people, when they talk about First Peter and they get into this, they start getting into worldly situations. But you got to remember the context of this was these are people- who are putting their faith and trust and they're going to be vocal about Jesus. And there's going to be a lot of suffering occur from the government, yeah. from the emperor. Yeah. And he's just saying, look, here's the example of what Jesus did for you, which is the yeah, biggest, he didn't rebel the biggest, against him. It's the biggest injustice there is. And what he's, what he's offering you is an inheritance and being a part of a kingdom that can't, perish or fade or or spoil and you're gonna there's gonna be moments in your life you're gonna suffer and basically it, put it to uh love the brotherhood you know fear god and then then he says honor the king maybe i'm wrong but for the the, the elected officials in a constitutional republic and you're looking at both parties and you're trying to separate the good from the bad, it, it, it's just uh, it's just difficult. Yes. It is difficult, but I, and I struggle with that too. I mean, uh, some of y'all know, like I ran for U.S. Congress in 2014. I got into the underbelly of a lot of the Republican conservative side. And, and I mean, honestly, as I know it's not popular, but I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of darkness in all of politics. And, you look at it and you think, man, what do we do? How do you uh, honor you know, it without engaging in uh, about uh, caving in 
and being for, I mean, evil behavior. Yeah, I don't think you it's have to endorse to the behavior. That. I mean, I think. Well, you look at you look at uh, what's going on here, though. I mean, the the grip of the Roman Empire was certainly pretty debaucherous, and I think it's speaking to a spirit that you embody. You know, when he says here in First uh, Peter three, just to skip forward just a little bit, he says, "Be prepared." Um, where's that at? Be prepared to give an answer. Well, that's First Peter three fifteen, I think. I'm not oh. going to get a stick, a stick, uh, uh, a stick that says, uh, you know, do away, marching down the street, shutting down, breaking into stores, looting, shooting, burning. I'm not dishonoring authority to that point. I'm not going to do that. I, mean, I don't think so. But but think about the think about the posture that we're called to here. It's like endure suffering, um, even when like the, you're being oppressed. It's like endure it with a with a certain type of quality, and a certain type of character, and a certain type of posture. And then there's this this like space. Like, then you're 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 prepared and you're ready. You're ready in this posture to give an, to give a defense. Uh, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Now, my question is, well, why would they ask me what, for, about the hope that's in me? Well, because I've been living out the spirit of Christ. I've been suffering in a way that they're like, that doesn't make sense. So that's inviting the question. Hey, tell me about the, why are you different? What's going on with you? But even in our response, even in our defense, I love this because it really keeps us in balance. We do it with gentleness and reverence. And we keep a good conscience so that the thing in which you are slandered, that those who revel, uh, who uh, revel your good behavior for Christ will be put to shame. So I, I think uh, the way it's it, this honoring goes down, it's, it's not the January 6th, you know, storming the Capitol. It's not, you know, protesting in Portland. It's not, it's not all of that. I mean, that, to your point, it's not the picket. And I, and I know that a lot of people get mad when you say this stuff. I mean, I just don't see it. In the Bible, I see that we're called to an elevated spirit, and I'll be the first one to admit, like I have struggled with this. I have struggled with get, getting so angry that I forget. I kind of forget that whole thing about this kingdom that we're a part of that can't be shaken or destroyed. I'm like, oh, oh, I forgot about that kingdom, the one I'm really a part of, and I'm so invested in this other kingdom that to the point where I'm willing to sell this one out. I, I think we, I think going back to what Jay said though, that's, that's, that's bondage. That's not freedom. That's not freedom to be always like, like uh, outraged about everything and angry about everything. It's, I think it's we're a broken, more it's beautiful. a broken cistern. Uh, you, you, you said that I may have said this in the last um, podcast. I can't remember if I said this or not with Mark Sayers, I think it was Mark Sayers that said you, that focus is worship, and uh, and somebody else said that attention um, is is the beginning of adoration. You know what you give your attention to is what you'll ultimately adore, and what you focus on is what you're actually worshiping. And you had mentioned these broken cisterns. I mean, that's what that is. It's like I'm gonna your your focus and your container. I've got my container here. This is how I'm, I'm viewing. This is what I'm ingesting. Yeah, that if that's going to become what you ultimately worship, and that's why I think that consuming the Word of God, focusing on the Word of God, focus on on a, a spirit of Jesus that we could suffer with Him. I mean, that's ultimately uh, true freedom is is to be freed from that. Well, that's um, what yeah you know, yeah that comes from that you know Jesus at the well and 
you know, anything outside of an eternal God is going to be a broken cistern. <laughs> it's, it's, that's yeah. why he said this is a living hope. It's, this is eternal. This is uh, something you can trust because his truth is 100% right. It gives you confidence and freedom in to know what to do and how to do it because he's, he's right. I mean, just think about that. If you had the way to do anything and you could trust that it was 100% accurate, the best way to do anything in life, well, that gives you some confidence and some freedom. Where it, what he's addressing is you're going to suffer because of that. And it doesn't mean I don't love you. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're not going to be okay. It's just ultimately this is how it is in a world of sin and, and evil. But that brings I, I, I up a good it, point. I find it difficult to honor people like the, the big dog in Russia, the big dog in China, the big dog in North Korea, communists have taken over, and the leader of these, uh, whatever you want to call them, that it's just hard for me to look at, at these countries that are, have, the man has a boot on your neck, and, and just, I mean, ripping the people. The church, amazingly, and the kingdom of God is in all these countries. Well, that's but, the point, Phil. I mean, that, that verse that uh, Zach read, the first part of that is in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. I mean, that is the foundation for where we make decisions into this. And we've all shared our experiences in some of these third world countries and some of these countries, you know, these communi communist countries that we've been trying to get the gospel in, which is dangerous. But we're also not saying let's go build some bombs and uh, we'll, we'll, that's right. You see what I mean? You're, yeah. I mean, I think that's what he's kind of getting. I at. love them as human beings, but to honor them, I have a struggle with that. I mean, it's a spiritual war. the The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So that well, I think he, that's it, because he it's the listen to the words though. He says submit and authority, respect everyone, honor the king. But then he says, fear God. And so he didn't say fear any of them. He says, fear God, which means if I fear God, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. Now, if any of those ask me to go against what God has told me to do, I'm going to say no, right? And that may mean there's a price to pay. If the government says, do this, and God says, no, don't do that, then there's going to be, as Jason mentioned, there, I may have to suffer. Yep. When you look at Daniel... And you saw when the king said, Daniel, you have to do this. And Daniel said, no, I, I'm going to serve God. And so what did Daniel do? He he went in the lion's den, right? Yep. Shadnat, Bishad, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace. Yeah, they but there was they, another in the fire to quote exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So the point is, I think in our constitutional republic, we I think we're striking the right balance because on, on this podcast, we honor God, we fear God. We say things we don't agree with, whether it's with our government or anything else, but we still are honoring. Uh, someone someone sent me a note and said, hey, are you going to the Capitol on January 6th? I said, no. I mean, they were genuinely saying, hey, won't you come and go? And I said, no, that's that's not my thing. I'm not. That's not the way I roll. 
I, I mean, but at the same time, if there are things I don't agree with, I speak about them publicly. You know why? Because I'm an American. I have a First Amendment right to say things I don't agree with. I still honor if I meet President Biden, I'm going to be respectful. I wouldn't be disrespectful to the president of the United States, even if I disagreed everything with he said. You know? <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I, that's why I think it's a spirit that we embody more than a um, because I think the easy pathway is to is to is to not not be ready to have a defense. The easier pathway is let's go land blast everybody and let's create a us versus them. Let's do a whole. I'm like, man, like I, I think about this. If I read this in a book recently, that the guy made the point if if um, we truly believe that everybody in the world is capable of the potential to be redeemed outside of course like the devil and is uh demons but i mean like like humans that everything is is has the potential for redemption then things aren't quite as like us versus them like everybody like like we can like we want to move the kingdom forward and i think that like it's it's not a sacrificing of truth you know going back to jason's point at first being this 13 about what is love from earlier podcast when you read that list love is patient love is kind it's not easily angered. Yeah. So you have kind of that stuff right there where it's like, man, don't like just go blow up on people. It's like, you know, like, like be long suffering with people. And the question, well, what about truth? What about truth? Well, that's in there too. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And so I think to embody a spirit of love is to wrestle with the tension of all these things. We do have to stand on truth. We do have to tell like, what, what is reality? We can't buy into a, a false reality that's constructed by humans. We, we submit as believers, we submit to Christ and he is the author of reality. But, but in that we do it in a way um, that, that the world can attack us. At least they can slander us, but in the back of their minds, when they see us suffering with Christ and for Christ, they're like, man, something's different. Like they're, they're going to know something's different. So I think it's about a, a, a tone and, um, and a spirit that we are to embody. And I'm not, I'm not saying I got it figured out. Like this is what I'm working towards in my own life. You know, my own, how I engage politically, how I engage in any um, respect with, with an employer, with a client, with whatever. I, I need to embody this even when, even when we're done wrong. And I appreciate Dan. Uh, uh, I appreciate uh, Dad talking about just the honesty that it is a struggle, especially when we see people oppressed. When we see our brothers and sisters around the world under communism or under some dictator being oppressed, it's hard. It's hard to honor uh, moments like that. So I'm I mean, that's you. that's the, that's the struggle of the human condition. I mean, when we see Satan in such control of people. It's difficult. These texts are hard, but I mean, Peter is giving us the ultimate example in Christ. I mean, how hard was it for them to watch Jesus suffer on the cross? I mean, it was hard for everybody to watch that, even though we know now that's exactly why he came to do it. So if it were easy, someone else could have done it, but it wasn't easy. That's why God had to come do it. I have a hard time honoring Pilate too. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. But the key thing is you can't detach Jesus. I mean, Peter's point was this. You're viewing this as those who have surrendered to the Lord. Christ is your Lord. You're trying to find how Jesus would operate in this situation. If you use that filter in all these situations, I think it'll keep you from a lot of meaningless conversations about worldly politics and 
It, it, you know, Jesus did honor him by what the conversation he had with him. He wasn't banging on him, you know, like, hey, you know, you're, you're standing in the way of the Son of God here. He, no, it was, was not. He, he just, a lot of times, just kept his mouth shut while Pilate was ranting and raving about this and that and the other. You know what I'm saying, Al? Yeah, that's right. But I think, I think, look, you these things that that God has freed us from, these intense desires that are not righteous, you know, evil desires, and and we all struggle with them, and all the anxieties of life. Because I mean, if you're watching the news and you're just have the anxiety meter off the charts. Well, you you need you don't need to like have a position on politics. You need to find your peace in what Jesus did for you and God's plan for your life. That that's the way. I mean, when you read that text, we've read it so much it just loses its impact. But you think about how much anxiety happens in our life, especially over you know going to the doctor or the worldly conditions. And I mean, you have a plain passage here that Peter said, "Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you." I mean, that we're we're giving that to Him. No matter what the situation. And he I, I'm appreciative that Peter went down the road of some of the worst situations you could be be in. I mean, getting beatings for not doing anything wrong and injustices. And he's just saying, look, because you think about everybody in the history of the world, there's been some believers who were in very difficult situations. You know, atrocities. Well, there was one guy. There's the one guy that he mentions right here in the middle of it, verse 21, who endured the worst suffering of all. Exactly. He says, for if, if you've been called for his purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. So I think that's the key verse of this whole area of Scripture is that he's giving these uh, potential and, and not just potential, these realities of current suffering. And then he's saying, hey, uh, this is how you should should conduct yourself in that but right in the middle of it he's like you know jesus suffered as an example to follow and i think that's the that that's the to, you know uh no pun intended that's the crux of the matter here that we we don't want that because we can't contain it but we have to ask ourselves this question i think it's a good question that we've been ranting on the other stuff guilty as charged but how has it worked out for, for us. I mean, we're not, when you leave the kingdom, like what God established was, it was a political ethnic kingdom um, that God turned upside down and turned to a, a different kind of kingdom that was not political. But what's funny about it is that when people are affected by this kingdom and as this kingdom grows, there are political consequences. For example, the abolishment of slavery was a result of God's kingdom. You know, like you think about like the kingdom does move in profound ways and it does have political implications down the road. I mean, you look at where we're at politically now versus where we were at, you know, back when it was in the day of the monarch. You know what I mean? I mean, like we, we've made progress in, in areas. It's not it's there are a lot of sickness and communism has killed 100 million people. And there's things like that that are horrible. But my point is, is that it's it's reframing it. In, in, a, in a new light. And there's more commitment to freedom, you know, in certain parts of the world than there have been in the past. You're right. And even the American experiment was founded with the right principle and even founded on godly principle. And of course, you know, again, we see what happens. You mean Satan, he wasn't just making stuff up when he took Jesus up on that high mountaintop and said, look, they're all bowing down to me. 
Jesus didn't dispute that. So, I mean, the, people still bow down, and 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 that's why Jesus said in John eight, they belong to their father, the evil one. So, I mean, Satan is still alive and well. That's why you still see all those elements that you see that you mentioned that. Yeah, going back to what um, Jace was talking about, just on a personal level, I was thinking about um, the three things that he mentioned from Keller. That the first two were were what you're freed from, and then I love that he adds the last part of what you're something you're free to. So you go from from to two. You're, you're freed from intense desires, which we've talked about a lot in the last several podcasts about just how that does that can truly enslave a person is these intense desires, which I would argue is a lot of times the basis for the, for the uncontrollable anxiety, right? Where I'm, I'm in, I'm in this thing over here and I don't want to be exposed. And so I've created a a world around me where I've got these fig leaves, I've got these coverings and the, the anxiety comes from the fear of being exposed. Um, But when you're in Christ, and you don't you don't fear being exposed because as we're going to see in just a second here, like we're connected with with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know, we're saved by the resurrection, so I'm connected with His gospel is what my baptism symbolized. And so when when someone comes to me with an accusation, I'm like, well, they, well, yeah, it was never about me in the first place. I just point to Christ, so I can be freed from the fear of being exposed because I'm covered. I'll never be exposed. I'm covered in Christ. Which I think is then that's what allows us to to be free to have relationships with one another and find intimacy with each other because it's not based on performance anymore. If I was arrested by the, if I was arrested by our uh, personnel that run the government and all, I would just preach the gospel best I could wherever they jail me. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Well, I think that's what these guys wind up doing. Yeah, but it shows you that really love is the fuel. To God's design, because he summed it up saying, love God and love your neighbor. So when you're free to understand how to do that in Christ is my point. I I would also add in, Zach, that those anxieties or those intense desires are trying to feel something. And that anxiety is I can't get it filled. That's why Paul would say in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the only way you achieve that peace, that covering you were talking about comes from having that fulfillment that you get in Christ. And that's where those anxieties then go, where what do people do when they're delivered from those intense desires? They want to help other people be delivered. That's when you start loving people. That's why some person that's been delivered from a certain thing in their life, they want to go help other people be delivered. Why? They want them to find the same peace of mind they found. And so they know the pathway. They know where to find peace. Which is the bigger point. I think that's going back to the submitting to government authorities and all that. I think that's the bigger point here. Like If you get too bent on the earthly stuff, the earthly kingdoms, like what if it doesn't go your way? Because for a lot of people, it has not gone their way. You know, for the 20 million people that were murdered um, in Russia under communist regimes, it did not go their way. But yet the underground church there thrived 
or in China or in all these areas of the world or even in, in the, the text here or the, the Roman Empire, the first fierce persecution that broke out against the church, like or even an Acts, what is it, uh, an Acts at the stoning of Stephen and, and then the, it says a intense persecution broke out against the church and they scattered and all these things happened. I'm like, what about those people? They had no control over over the, the geopolitical structure, but yet somehow the kingdom exploded and and not only did it explode i had to think that they that the kingdom had a there was a peace that probably surpassed all understanding right i think that's the freedom is is that my peace of mind and the i guess the the removal of my anxiety is not ultimately dependent dependent on any anything other than what christ has finished for me on the cross yeah, because you got you because you got to remember these people. I mean, there were some of them being fed to animals for entertainment. They were being lit up as torches. I mean, Christians burned at the yeah. stake. I mean, you you start reading all of this stuff that that happened. Well, it would make you just because we're humans question whether God was for you because you're like, well, I mean. Why Why wouldn't God save me from this? You know, which is the reason I think this letter is in here. I mean, the bottom line is just because you're out there living for Jesus, being out loud and, you know, on purpose or however you want to categorize that, doesn't mean that the world is going to accept that as, I mean, they're liable to do unimaginable things yeah. to you to shut you up, especially since we're in this spiritual war. I mean, he's using all this, these, uh, you know, these things that says that wars against your soul. Well, you know, war's ugly in any context. And, uh, and I just think that he's trying to provide some, some comfort. If you were going through this in your world, cause it's hard for us to read this and put it into context. Cause we're pretty comfortable here in America, you know, but if you were going through this and you read these types of passages, I mean, I guarantee you tears would be flowing down your cheeks and you would really be saying, you know what? I'm going to trust the Lord in that. It would be very difficult to do, but I guarantee you there's some people that have gotten a lot of comfort from from these words. No doubt about it. Well, and to Zach's point, you know, I just look back over my lifetime, you know, from a political perspective and, you know, you'll see a, a dictator in some country, Middle East or somewhere. And you'll see, you know, obviously they're selfish and they live an opulent lifestyle and there's poverty in their country. And so we've had, you know, over the course, just in my lifetime, you'll have someone in our government say, well, you know, we need to topple this regime and because, you know, they're not fair, blah, 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 come up with all the reasons. And so it happens, you know, through, through our efforts and the efforts of other people. And then all of a sudden, uh, factions take over and the situation is much worse than it was at the beginning because these human attempts to fix this government situation are worse than it was at the beginning. And I always think that's what happens when humanity thinks that they can fix these complex situations. Typically, they don't know what's best. And so you can look at it from afar and say, you know, I think we can go in and fix this situation. And what you have is something worse at the end than it was at the beginning. And so that's what happens with human wisdom. It's just not godly wisdom. Well, I wanted to say that, you know, two of the things that at the end of this this lesson I heard from Keller that he that he pointed out as like a practical way to understand the 
the freedom, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, even, you know, and finding these liberating restrictions, as he put it, which I thought was a good way to put it, is that you realize that we're standing on the promises of God as a believer. That That's one. And number two is, based on that, we're not afraid to make promises because that's the problem of the world saying, oh, we just want to be free. We don't, we don't want to have anybody tell us what to do, no restrictions. Well, the result of that is you don't, you don't make any promises to people. You don't have any commitment. When you look at our culture and our society, what's the problem? I mean, over 50% of the marriages end in divorce. You look up, there's kids without, you know, a father. and Because none of these promises are being made. Why? Because they're like, well, I just want to be free. I don't want to be held back. I don't want to be. And, and you realize that what God is offering is the exact opposite. There is a freedom that love becomes the fuel where it's an unselfish act of commitment because you love people and you're basing your whole premise on the love of God and you see a way better culture as a result. And so you, you're not afraid to make promises. And then the second thing is you focus on Jesus on the cross, which is ultimately the injustice that freed us all from sin. And as a result, freed us from the fear of the, of the grave, which ultimately gives you the greatest freedom on earth. Because it takes care of your guilt, takes care of your fear of death. It puts every atrocity in life in perspective. The truth that sets you free, Jay. Exactly. <laughs> and he embodied it. Yep. Which takes you back to that belonging that we talked about earlier, which is where you get into that chosen royal priesthood, holy nation. All that set up this concept of this is why he said you are all these things so that you would be ready for the salvation that he brought you. Um, powerful stuff. Uh, we're out of time, but uh, in our overtime, I want to explore a couple of things that we didn't get into at the end of it because it was just so good. Uh, but the party talked about with Jesus because we talked about his example of suffering. But in that text, he mentions a few things that are really, really powerful. So I want to flesh those out just a little bit in our overtime uh, f- before we get ready to move on to chapter three, where he's going to now move into family and our family relationships as well. So we'll uh, we'll explore those in our next podcast. If you want to follow us over, blazetv.com slash unashamed for this uh, overtime segment. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.